Well, good morning again, Lighthouse. So a week ago today, thank you, Noah. Rick, you don't have to look for my music stand anymore. Uh, a week ago today, Sean and I were walking on the beaches of Anna Maria Island, Florida. And I'm going to tell you right now, to be honest with you, it was way more beautiful than this. <laughs> but the people weren't as beautiful as you. That's called pandering. So... I really am glad that you're here this morning uh, as we uh, continue <clears throat> in this series. But before I jump in, it's been a couple weeks, and I, uh, I want to make sure that you hear something from me, uh, and it's this. If you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, I want to make sure that you actually hear this, that God loves you. God loves you. Wow. The God of all creation. The one who, when you look outside and see that snow flurrying, that there's never ever been two snowflakes that have ever been exactly alike. That God that is that creative, that, that for hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of years, the earth has been, there's never been a person like you. And he knows you. And he loves you. That God loves you. And I want to make sure you hear that as we head into this. So, you're familiar with optical illusions, right? You know what an optical illusion is? An optical illusion is something that you think you see that maybe isn't there. Or something that, that, that's there that you don't actually see, right? It, it's kind of like uh, when you're looking across that whole idea of the mirage in the desert where someone thinks they see palm trees in water, right? It's an optical illusion, or, or maybe you're familiar with this one. When you, when you look at this dress, do you remember this just even recently? It's like, what do you see? Do you see black and blue or do you see white and gold? Remember, that's such a big deal. I'm like, well, that's dumb. I see a dress, okay? Or, or about when, you see, when you look at this, what do you see? Do you see a face looking at you or do you see a profile picture? Which one do you see? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, or maybe you're familiar with this one. This one's kind of an old school one. Goes way back. What do you see? When you look at this, what do you see? Do you see an elderly lady or do you see a young lady? How many of you see the elderly lady? Raise your hand if you see the elderly lady. Okay. Yep. How many see the young lady? Okay. All right. Isn't that good? How many of you can see both of them? You can see both. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing. What do you see? What do you see when you see this? What do you see? Okay, this isn't an optical illusion. <laughs> okay, so guess what we're talking about today? We're talking about money, okay? We're talking about money. I, I know some of you are thinking, great, I knew it, it's cold outside, it's blowing snow, I should have just stayed home, we're talking about money in church. For those of you who maybe this is your first time at Lighthouse or you've only been here a few times at Lighthouse, you're going, I knew it. I knew it. That's all they talk about at church is money. Money, 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 money. Well, I'll be honest with you. I've been here at Lighthouse Community Church for seven years on March 29th. Okay, seven years ago on Palm Sunday, March 29th was my first Sunday here at Lighthouse. And in seven years, in seven years, do you know how many messages I've done on money? Zero. I've not done a single message on money. I don't like talking about money. If I'm honest with you, I, I don't like talking 
about money. I, I think I, I have this sensitivity to people who think that we always talk about money. So I swing to the other side, right? You, you ever do that? Like something that was in your life or somebody else, and you're like, I, I had a friend of mine who was perpetually late, late all the time to meetings, appointments, and stuff like that. And, and then like he got into a position of authority where like he had to be on time and he would be early all the time and so anytime I was late it was like he would come on he swung to the other side he's like ah, you're late you should never be late and it's like says the guy who was late all the time right and I think that's kind of like I have this sensitivity to people who who think that the church always talks about money so I never talk about money which is kind of a funny thing because Jesus didn't have a problem talking about money. Scripture talks about money. And so today, we're going to talk about money. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about money, which is kind of, I look at it, and last week, Pastor Rick talked about Ananias and Sapphira and the difference between uh, Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira in the end of Acts chapter 4 and the beginning of Acts chapter 5. And if you were here, you joined us online and watched us online, you remember that Pastor Rick made the point and asked, are you sold out or a sellout? Are you sold out or a sellout? And he looked at Barnabas, who was sold out. Barnabas was a person who was sold out and ultimately ended up helping to change the world. Ananias and Sapphira, sellouts. They were sellouts. They wanted to be seen as one thing, but actually lived another life. And so that kind of leads us into our conversation today. And the question really to ask is, am I sold out or am I a sellout? And one of the ways that I can tell is through the use of my money. Through the use of my money. Why do you think it is that God talks about money? Why does God, why does, why does God talk about money so much in the scriptures? I believe that the scriptures talk about money not because God needs money. I mean, seriously, God doesn't need our money. The God of time and space really doesn't deal in human currency. I love what uh, my favorite band, U2, what Bono said. He said, my God isn't short of cash, mister. Our God doesn't need our money, but why does God talk about money? Why does scripture talk about money? And I believe it's for this reason. For us as human beings, I believe this is the reason why. Because money reveals what our heart values most. Money reveals what our heart values most. Time and money are the commodities that you can look at my life and judge what I believe. They will speak the loudest about what I believe. If you look at my checkbook, which you know, how many of you actually write checks? If you write a check, mostly women. Okay, all right. A few of us men, all right. I, I write a check. I think I write probably three checks a year, right? So if you look at, I don't know what you're looking at, your online accounting, your checking account, whether it's in a book or online, whatever. If you look at, if you looked at mine and you looked at my plan or where I spend my time, those are the two ways that you would best be able to tell what I believe, what I value. 
okay? So what are we willing to pay for? When we look at the use of our money, what are we willing to pay for? And here's another significant question to ask. Because we can say, well, I give money to this, this, and this. But who benefits the most out of where I spend my money? Who benefits the most out of where I spend my money? And if you want to know the truth, money reveals our, what our heart values most. And don't believe me, all you have to do is look at where you spend your money. Listen, if I told you today, if I told you, for example, if I told you I love art, I love art, I value art. I think art is so important, and art is one of the ways in which I come close to God. I value art that much. It brings me satisfaction and fulfillment. And then you came to my house, and you walked in the front door, and you looked around in my house, and you saw no pictures. No pictures on the wall. You saw no statues or no carvings or no etchings, you know, in the corners, you walked in and it was bare and you went to my bookcase and you didn't see any books on Van Gogh or Renoir or the Impressionists or the Renaissance era. And you came to me and you mentioned the names Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and I looked at you and cocked my head and said, yeah, I think I drove one of their cars. You would start questioning, right, how much I actually value art. You can tell what we value most by where we spend our time and how we spend our money. And I think that's true for us, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. I, I, I can say that I trust God, that God is going to provide for all my needs. I can say that everything that I have and everything that I own is at God's disposal. But is it really? Is it really? I mean, when you look at my accounting and when you look at my time, are they revealing what I value the most? And money is one of those things that we are very sensitive about. Because most of the time we look at it and say, it's my money. I earned it. And we need to think about how we think about money father in the coming moments as we talk about finances and this week and next week as we talk about finances a new way of thinking and and lord as we talk about tithes and offerings lord would you help us to see our resources for what they are they are a means to an end not to satisfy my every want and desire, but to help bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's radical. And that's hard for us to grab onto. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover. And... Uh, We've talked about the Passover a lot here at Lighthouse, and the Passover was, is the most significant out of the four feasts and festivals that the 
uh, Jews adhere to, celebrate, and remember. The Passover is the most significant one that remembers God's deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And it was a time when they would remember God's deliverance coming in the future when the Messiah would show up, okay? And so people from literally around the world would gather together in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place to be to remember the Passover. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. It is wall-to-wall people, right? From everywhere around the world. And Jesus goes to the temple. And he, he's sitting in the temple. He, you know, he had been talking to the people, sharing with the people, and he goes to sit down. And so he's on the Temple Mount, which this is a picture of the Temple Mount today, okay? The Temple Mount, you can kind of get a good idea of how big it is. To give you an idea, the Temple Mount could, in, could contain 29 football fields. It's, that's how big it is, just to give you an idea, okay? It can hold 29 football fields. So Jesus is, is on the Temple Mount. This is, a, this is a model of what the temple looked like, okay, in Jesus' time. This is a model of what the temple looked like on the Temple Mount. Now, just a side note, because I find this stuff so fascinating, that um, when they built the temple, when Herod was having the temple built, the stones that are in the temple, the stones weighed roughly, I think it was like 120 tons, 120 tons. To give you an idea, the, the stones in the pyramids in Egypt weigh roughly 20 to 40 tons. 120 tons. And when they built the temple, the, the, the rabbis and the religious leaders would not allow them to carve the stones on the temple mount. So they had to carve them off the temple mount and then transport them up the mountain to the temple. How did they do that? How did that, how do you transport 120? And each, check this out, it's so fascinating to me. It has nothing to do really with what I'm talking about. I just find it fascinating, all right? That, that each block was built specifically for where it was placed in the temple. It wasn't like Lincoln Logs or Legos. You get, they weren't interchangeable. Each one was created specifically for where it was in the temple. And then they had to be transported up the mount. So Jesus is at the temple. And, and, and you got to know that the temple, man, it is humming and buzzing because people from around the world have come for the Passover. And this right here, this place, whoo, this place right here, it is, it's the beacon. It's the lighthouse. Okay? It's the gathering place. So people are coming in. And the scriptures say in Mark chapter 12 that Jesus went in and he sat down opposite the treasury box. Now, where this would have been, as you look, as we get kind of closer, the treasury would have been in the court of the women. They had different courts and only certain people could be in certain courts. You could be in the court of the Gentiles, which is the outer court. Then you could move into the court of the women, and that was the last place that women and some Gentiles, I think it is, could, could go and be. And then you moved inside to the next court, and they literally have signs up that tell you entering past this point, you could be killed. Okay? And so Jesus get, gets together, because this is where most people can be, the most people can be in the treasure or court of the women. And they, had, they would receive offerings there in the court of the women. And they had these offering receptacles that looked like trumpets. 
And people would come and they would drop their offering to God in those trumpets in the court of the women. And so Jesus sits down. It says in Mark chapter 12, Jesus sat down across from one of these trumpets and just watched people drop their offering in. And I love that about Jesus because Jesus Jesus was an observer. He watched people. He watched what they did. You can gather a lot about a person by just watching them, right? Not in a creepy, stalking way, but just, you know, uh, Christmas time. I, I, like, I, I like to watch people, but to be honest with you, most of us, we don't sit and watch people because we have so many things to do. We're in, a such, in such a rush to get to the next place, the next thing, do the next job, take care of the next task, that we miss people. And Jesus is just sitting there in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of, the, uh, uh, of, of all that's going on. He just sits down and he watches. Now, when people would come in, they would make a big deal, especially wealthy people, would make a big deal about dropping off their offering to God. They wanted other people to know that they were giving. Literally, like having people announce that they were... This, can you imagine... That, you know, you remember back in the day pre-COVID when we would pass offering plates and stuff like that? Can you imagine if we're passing the offering plates, Michael's up here singing a song as we're worshiping, and right when the plate gets to my wife, Sean, I stand up and go, thank you, God, that Sean can give the offering that she's about to give. Y'all would look at me like, dude, shut up, sit down, and just worship, okay? Right? But that was not uncommon in the court of the women at those trumpets when people would drop their offering in. And it says that wealthy people were coming in and dropping off their money. And it says that there was a, a poor woman, a poor, in fact, it says a poor widow. That's an important thing for you and me to know that, that Mark differentiates, that he says that she's a widow. Because in Jesus' time, oftentimes, widows were poor because they depended on their husband and their children to provide and if that man in their life is gone they have nothing and really all they're left with is is begging for a living right and, and this is a closer look of that that court of the women and Jesus, I have pictures sitting on one side of the court, watching the other side as people are dropping them. And this widow walks in, walks up, and she literally has two coins, two coins in her hand. I imagine this woman had her head down as she walked. I imagine she's trying not to be noticed, unlike the wealthy people who had maybe people calling out, or they themselves claimed, God, thank you so much for blessing me so much with this, that I can give you this, cha-ching, and all this money falls in. This woman doesn't want to be recognized. She's got two small coins. They're called lepta. They're called lepta. They're worth 1 64th of a day's wages. Scripture tells her, they try to equate it, that it's worth a penny. She walks in, walks up, and drops two coins. Two coins. 
In today's wages, one sixty-fourth of a day's wages, she dropped in about two and a half to five dollars. Now, here's the thing. Two things. She dropped them in. Those two pennies. For a lot of us here, if I dropped two pennies and I was in a hurry, I wouldn't even think to turn around and pick them up, right? I wouldn't do it. But here's what the scripture says. Scripture says that that was everything she had those two coins that that coin those two coins that she had scripture says was all she had to live on that's what it said it said she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on and jesus is watching and he goes hey guys Hey, Peter, quit messing around and come over here. Right? Calls the disciples around him. And he says, that woman right there, she gave more than everybody else. Did you see her? Did you see her? And I imagine Peter and the other disciples are going, no, who are you talking about? That woman right there. Jesus, God in the... That woman right there, did you see her? No, no, no. We were paying attention to the guy in front of her. Did you see the size of that bag of money he dropped it was huge and jesus said she gave more than he did and peter's like what no way how much did she drop in and jesus said two coins two coins he had a big no no no. she dropped in everything she had caught god's eye it caught god's eye dropped in everything she had to live on here's the question for you if you're i love you and i give thanks to you it's one thing to say it it's another thing to show it do you one step further do you trust god do you trust god do you trust god with everything even with your money, provide for her needs, that she was willing to give up everything. Even though for you and me, those two coins would amount to to a mocha at Starbucks. Maybe not even, we couldn't even afford a mocha at Starbucks on what she dropped into into the trumpet. But that was everything she had. And she said, God, I love you so much. I trust you that you will provide for me she gave god everything have you ever done a trust fall raise your hand you ever done a trust fall okay you know what a trust fall is right you you get up on a table let me get two people and and come over here and no i'm kidding okay it's that thing where you're standing on the edge whether it's a chair or a stage or a table and you stand with your back turned put your feet on the edge cross your hands whoa just kidding okay and there's a group of people behind you and you trust when you lean back that they're going to catch you right as a trust fall raise your hand you done it how many of you done it how many of you put your hands up? how many of you have ever been dropped or you know someone who's been dropped hey, yeah okay did you quit your job no i'm kidding <clears throat> how can you trust those people anymore right trust fall developing that trust in people 
I, I, love, I, I love my daughters. Talk about trust. When we look at our kids and our grandkids, you talk about trust. And, and I remember one of my favorite things. I loved picking up my kids. I loved, they trust their dad. Even in the times when I, I gave them reasons not to trust me, right? I, I, I remember uh, there was a time when Maddie was a little girl. Uh, and Maddie's due May 16th. We're so excited. I got that little baby there, and uh, I'm going to have a grandson. I'm going to be able to do these things with him. Hopefully not what I'm about to tell you about, but Maddie, you know, I came home. I love it. She'd scream, Daddy, you know, and she's just a little girl. She's probably three, four years old, and I would pick her up almost all the time, pick her, scoop her up, and throw her up in the air. How many of you ever do that with a child or grandchild? You scoop them up, throw them, put you okay? So I pick her up. This is one day I come home. She's like, Daddy, I pick her up, and I'm all, oh, and I went, well, bam, and threw her into the door jam, which explains a lot now for her. No, I'm kidding. She's got this little tick now. No, I'm kidding. All right? Just pick her. Well, bam, right? Threw her into the door jam. You would think after that, she would be like, Daddy, Daddy, I mean, hey, girl. She's like, nope, no, 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 no. I know what happened last time. I learned my, no, no, no. She would still come to me. One of my favorite things would be to put them on a countertop, take a step back, and go, Right, jump. Do you remember the first time when they would do that? Do you remember moms and dads, grandmas? And, they, and they'd look at, some of them are great because they're just, they don't care. They trust you. They're just like, woohoo! They jump. Other kids are like, man, I'm not really sure. That's a long ways away. And then they kind of do this. And they, some of the kids are just like, they, they want to jump and they kind of do this. And then they just go, <laughs> right? All right. The whole trust thing. They trust. And I ha I'm happy and proud to say that every, I never, to my knowledge, I never dropped my children. Every time they jumped, every time they jumped, I caught them. Every time. No matter how far the distance was, I caught them. They trusted me. God supplies our needs. God supplies Our needs whether it's through finances or gifts or whatever the case may be God supplies our needs how much do we trust him how much do I trust him to look at him when he says give whether it's tithes and offerings or it's a need that somebody has and I'm like man God I only have like a dollar I'm running kind of low I'm kind of scraping by, and God says, I know, just give it. That person, trust me. Trust me. Do we? Do we trust him when he says, the first 10%? The first 10%. The first and the best. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Please show up. <laughs> okay? It all comes down to trust. Isn't that the story about the woman who dropped everything, everything, everybody say everything. everything, everything she had. Why? Because she trusted God. Money reveals what our heart values most. I, I want to I close 
with two with, with one statement or one question and two statements okay money reveals what our heart values most some of us have heard this saying put your money where your mouth is right put your money where your mouth is what does that mean put your money where your mouth is is i believe in something so much that i'm willing to risk the cost of what it's going to take to fulfill what i believe put your money where your mouth is is that how much i believe okay one question two statements to close with one question two statements the first question is this whose money is in your bank account whose money is in your bank account talk a little bit more about that next week something for you to ponder whose is it whose is it to be honest for a lot of my life i'm saying it's mine i earned it i worked for that money whose money is in your bank account two statements first statement is this maybe okay first statement is it's not what you get what it's not what you have but what you give it's not what you have it's what you give i only have or i have this or i have actually it's not what you have it's what you give with our heart we reveal what we give when i give i'm giving away part of me especially in those times when i don't have a lot i'm giving away part of me and what i give is a reflection of me and of god that's a bigger thing when i give what i give is a reflection of god my generosity or lack thereof reveals to people the generosity or lack thereof of my God. The second statement is this. It's not just what you give. It's why you give. Why do you give? Amen. Why do you give? Do I give out of duty? Hmm? Do I, when, when, when I give tithes, do I give because I have to? When, when God says, Doug, I know you only have one dollar in your wallet, but I want you to give it to that person, do I give it gladly? Do I give it joyfully? Do I give it because I get to or because I have to? Do I do it out of joy or do I do it out of duty? Do I do it out of obligation? <laughs> well, I'm a Christian, so I have to give it. Or do I look at it and go, oh man, I am blessed to give. Do you realize that is the mission of God from Genesis to Revelation? The mission of God is that God blesses so that we can be a blessing. It started with Abraham. When God made the covenant with Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a blessing so that you can be a blessing to the nations. And that has continued throughout history. And it's part of our DNA as the church, Big C and Little C Lighthouse Community Church, that we are generous and we are blessed to be a blessing. Not blessed so I am blessed. Do you see the difference? give out of love and joy why do i give whose money is in my bank account so last year sean's mom and stepdad they 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 love bmws they drive bmws um, and so they drove their 2010 bmw 328i into the shop to have some work done and when they left they left with a 2020 bmw suv it's weird how that worked and so i told sean you know because our volkswagen was getting it had it had a lot of miles on it and i said hey just find out how much your mom and gene want for their 
BMW, okay? Um, because they, they take really great care of their vehicles. Really, they take their vehicles to the, to the dealer to get work on, right? And so I, I know they've taken care of it. And I said to Sean, find out, find out how much they want for it. And so she found out. And we're, and we're like, all right, we're kind of working with it, toying with it, see if we can make it work. And then Sean talked to her mom like a day or two later. And her mom was like, you know what? Listen, we were thinking about it. They, they were already giving us a cut rate on it. And we were thinking about it. It's like expensive to fix BMWs. And it's like, right, when you take it to the dealer, it's like three times more. But um, uh, she's like, and, and so we're dropping the amount down to here. It's like, wow, okay, well, you know, uh, we may be able to swing that. And so we're considering it. Christmas comes around on Christmas Day. Um, we're talking to her mom. We call her mom and, and Jean out in California to say Merry Christmas. And, and Sandy, Sean's mom, as we're in the middle of conversation, she says, hey, Doug, Doug. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, Doug, listen, hey, we've been talking about it, and we just want to give you the BMW. Merry Christmas. And Sean and I both went, what? And she's like, we just want to give you the BMW. And Sean went, what? And it's like, we want to give it to you. We want to give you the BMW. Merry Christmas. I looked at Sean. She said she gave me the BMW. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> me is my BMW. Mine and God's there, okay? She gave, they, they gave us the BMW, right? It was like, oh, my word, what a blessing. Last February, Maddie and I flew out to California and drove it back. It was such a wonderful, beautiful time with my oldest daughter. And, and so we got back, and Sean and I were talking about we could take that Volkswagen that we had, we could actually sell that Volkswagen for like a few thousand dollars. And, that, and, and we can use that. I don't know about you. I, we can use a few thousand dollars. You know what we ended up doing? My oldest daughter, Maddie and Connor, they, they're young married. They drive garbage for cars right that connor's like working on their cars constantly so sean and i gave them the volkswagen just gave it to them and, and that's not the first time we've done it. and please listen it's not it's not credit to sean and i at all we were able to bless somebody else because god used somebody else to bless us we were blessed to be a blessing God gives so that we will give. Even when it seems like all we have left are two small coins, God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And that's the question for you and me today. Do we trust him? With what we have and what we don't have, in plenty and in want, do I trust him? With my money, with my time, with my family. So, three questions for you and I to think about as we process this whole theme and idea of money. Three questions for you and me. The first question is this. The money you have, who does it belong to? The money you have, the money in your bank account, who does that money belong to? Are you the owner or are you the manager? We'll talk more about that next week. Second question, why do you give? 
Why do you give? Why do I give? Do I give out of obligation? Do I give out of duty? Or do I give because I've been blessed? Am I blessed to be a blessing? Am I being the blessing because I'm blessed? Third question, what will you give? What will you give? Will you give a little? Or will you give it all? Because remember the widow, the poor lady who gave everything she had? What are you going to give? So today, in kind of thinking about this, on Thursday night, God, uh, we got together to pray for Ukraine and for Russia. And, and I revealed at, at, that, uh, at the prayer time that I've actually been to Ukraine twice. I've had the privilege of going there, leading mission trips to Ukraine, being in Kiev. And uh, the pastor of the church, Transformation Church, this is him right here and his wife, Peter and Anya Marchenko. Uh, Peter's the pastor. He started the church. He started that church in Kiev by preaching out of the back of his truck. That's how it started. And the church where I was working at that point in time in Holland, Michigan, had developed a relationship with Peter and Anya in Kiev. And, and God blessed that church. And the church in Kiev, Transformation Church, led by Pastor Peter and Anya, planted, started planting churches. And I think, they had, I think they had planted over 20 churches out of that church, Transformation Church in, in Ukraine. And so we were praying. We were praying for the pastors. We were praying for the families. We were praying for the people in Kiev. We were praying in Ukraine. And God put in my brain that we need to take, we need to receive an offering for what's going on there in, in Ukraine right now. If you've been following the news, you know that people are fleeing there, women and children fleeing to get into other countries. And somebody asked on Thursday night, where, where's the money going that we collect today? Where's the money going? 100% of the money we collect as a result of this offering that we receive for Ukraine, 100% of it is going to Ukraine. We take no money out of it. We will take nothing. And I, I did some research and I did some work because I, I didn't want to give to an organization that's going to take a cut of the money we send in. And, and there's nothing against them. I know they have administrative fees. I wanted 100% to go. So I connected with my friend, Pastor Craig Reese at Central Wesleyan Church in Holland, Michigan, and they're still in connection. In fact, they do great work with, with Transformation Church. Transformation Church in Kiev is not meeting right now because they had a bomb go off a thousand feet from their church building. Their church has scattered. They actually have some of their people who are on the border of Ukraine and Serbia serving to help... Um, to help provide humanitarian relief and to help usher children, women and children across the border into Serbia. That's one of the ways that they're helping. Another way is that they've got, they've got about 150 people have, who have fled into Poland. And it's led by one of the plant churches, pastors, is in Poland helping to lead this group of people. They're helping to, find, to send money there to help those people. Another one of the pastors, his father-in-law, runs a camp in Romania. And that camp is housing about 40 Ukrainian refugees. Some of the money's going there. And there's one other place, I can't remember what it is, but there's, there's four places specifically where this money is going to 
specifically. When we give, our money doesn't go to Central Wesleyan Church. They keep none of it. In fact, Pastor Craig told me, he said, listen, I want you to know, if there's any money left over, which there won't be, but if there is, but there won't, but if there is any money left over, we will send it back, but there won't be. Every penny of that, every penny that you give today will go to Ukraine. This guy right here, Pastor Peter and Anya, for nine months have been planning their vacation. They have family in Northern California. And it was like, I can't remember what Craig said. It was like, I don't know, nine days or two weeks before the invasion. They left to visit family. They've been planning it for like nine months. And they can't get back. And it's killing Pastor Peter to not be with his people and to not be there. And I believe Central Wesleyan is trying to help them out as well. So today, it's one of those opportunities for us to give. Why do I give? Do I give out of joy because I love God and what God is doing? And, 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 and uh, Craig Reese had such a great point. He said, if you look at Acts, which I don't know if you know it, but we've been reading in Acts. But when you look at Acts, and later on we're going to find that, that the Romans and the Jews try to stamp out this movement called the Way focused on Jesus, the so-called Messiah, that Christianity, under persecution, dispersed around the known world. And what the Romans and the Jews tried to put out, God used to spread his word. Amen. And so now in Poland, in Romania, uh, in Serbia, God's word is beginning to move. That gives me goosebumps that we get to be part of that. And so I'd encourage you, to give to give generously not because you have to but because you want to not because you're obligated to but because you get to that you get to supply the needs of brothers and sisters around the world would you stand up with me and we're going to close and what an appropriate song michael that we're going to close with we're going to close by singing great is thy faithfulness and when we talk about whether it's finances or whatever the case may be, God's faithfulness is astounding and perfect and forever. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and worship. Thank you, God, for this time together. I pray, Lord, that, um, that we would take to heart the question, whose money is in my bank account? Do I trust you in all areas of my life? And am I willing to give everything because of that love and trust? Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your presence with us. We love you, and we praise you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.